here we are back with the best podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend Mindy Pack here to talk about her amazing journey. We met about years ago, um, more than 10, but less than 15. Uh, and uh, we both were in SLS and we were working at the summer uh, program looking after the kids. We were doing chaperoning, weren't we? And some teachers. And some, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not going into all that. Yes, those are days of adventure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we've both had really interesting journeys and both had that entrepreneurial kick. Uh, but um, I really want to dig a little deeper into what... Mindy's past is and how she got to where she is now because what she's doing is pretty amazing. So, Mindy, tell us, how did you start this journey of uh, singing to start off with? <clears throat> That's a, this is a long story. How long do we have? Okay. Um, well, I've always, uh, I, I've always been a singer. When I was six years old, I was singing in choirs. My parents thought, oh, she can actually carry a tune because nobody in my family sings. And uh, there was a performing arts studio uh, in, our, in our town that I went and auditioned for. And I'll never forget, <laughs> this is when you really need to do research. My first audition song as an eight-year-old was Your Mama Don't Dance and Your Daddy Don't Rock and Roll, which is by a band named Poison. <laughs> I, remember, I remember as an eight-year-old, I sing this line that goes, we pull into the drive-in and I find a place to park. We hop into the back seat where it's always nice and dark. I'm just about to move thinking, ooh, this feels good. There's a light in my eye and a guy says, out of the car, long hair. <laughs> and I'm like, now that I think about it, I'm like, how inappropriate was that song for an eight-year-old? <laughs> so needless to say, that started me on a very fun journey. Uh, but um, anyway, I've gotten this performing arts group, studied um, for a long time at 16. I got my first professional gig where I was hired to go. I left school in my 10th grade year, my sophomore year, and went to Japan and worked in Japan for um, NASCAR <clears throat> and lived over there for about, I think it was four or five weeks performing and thought this is what I want to do. So came back from there and then I started working and performing with um, some other different performing organizations where I actually got to travel the world and we did humanitarian aid. It's kind of like a USO type tour, but um, instead of for military, it was with uh, third world countries and <clears throat> humanitarian aspects. And then um, I could always sing, never really had any issues. And then one year after a series of events um this is a whole other podcast my son was kidnapped i got him back but after that i uh, developed this like wicked case of bronchitis because i didn't sleep for about four months and i got injured and um i like thought my life was over because how do you be a voice coach and a professional singer and get the injury and um lessons of just laying on the piano with my voice coach sobbing so embarrassed and uh after that, I was like, okay, I can't take my voice for granted. And I really started doing my own personal study outside of what SLS taught um, as far as like voice uh, rehabilitation, voice injury, what's actually happening, um, you know, because I took it for granted because I never really had a lot of voice struggles growing up. 
So after SL, um, well, in addition with SLS and doing all these other trainings, I started looking outside of SLS to different methodologies, different teachers who specialize maybe in rock, in the growling, um, riffing, stylization type stuff. And then that led me into connecting with um, voice scientist Ingo Tietze, who, um, is, who's based out of the National Center for Voice and Speech here in, it was in Denver, but it moved to Utah where I'm based. And uh, started kind of working with him on like his research and what's happening with contemporary singers, realizing that even with his studies, my voice didn't really fit in the molds. And um, really started just kind of, I don't want to say pioneering, because it wasn't pioneering, but just kind of really got swept in with what science was proving on things and and where did everything fit in or, or why does this make sense? And then because of that, I applied to go to his program, which is um, to become a certified uh, vocologist through the National Center of Voice and Speech. So I finished that. And that was amazing because we got to like actually work with cadavers and like hold like a real larynx and hold lungs and diaphragms and really see how the bot, the entire body is connected to voicing. And then um, after that, because of, of that credentialing, I then went and got certificates in laryngeal manipulation or voice massage. Um, I call it vocal track reconditioning because it's not just in the larynx, it's, you know, diaphragm up. But um, yeah, it's just been a crazy, crazy ride. So what uh, do you consider yourself now, uh, if you were to introduce yourself would you say you're a singing teacher or how do you describe yourself now <laughs> uh that's a good question i i probably just say voice coach i ha i hold a certificate in vocology um i'm a vocologist through the national center of voice and speech and uh who wants some mindy magic i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. Um, what what did you think you learned from your experience of having not ever had, you know, vocal issues, in fact, being one of those more natural singers, people have just figured it out uh, by themselves or had the gift already, you know. So if you were working with students like that or working with teachers or working with students like that, what kind of advice do you give them? Um. I think there's a, it's a, there's a fine line because, um, because, because I never really had issues and I've worked with different coaches and stuff like that. There are always, it was always the, I always get the thing or the feedback of like, how are you doing that? How does that, how is that possible? What are you doing? And, um, when I have somebody that comes into my room, uh, you know, who maybe doesn't have the issues, I'm not trying to find any issues or like to try and clarify or quantify what, what they're actually doing. Um, I just want to make them aware that what they're doing is right. And then let's try and throw some other options or other things that we can add to a tool belt to make it better or greater. And then also to make sure that they understand where their parameters are. So like we have the home base where they have to come back to where they're all staying in that balance and, and lovely positioning um, so that they, if they do go out and play or if they do have a wonky night or they have something that's an issue, you know, they have an awareness of what they have to come back to um, so that, you know, they don't get injured or they don't have an issue where all of a sudden their world falls apart like mine did, where I felt like mine did. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because you had to then go 
and explore what was going on? Yeah, I had to, I mean, well, there's a lot of aspects to it because I had to, it really put me in the trajectory of being a thorough teacher and really understanding what, not taking for granted what I already had, but really what is happening. Um, It opened the door to a lot of opportunities of meeting some amazing people and, and furthering my own ear and, and listening. Um, so like now I work with four laryngologists and all over the world and they send me their clients for rehab, you know, if they're the singing voice, you know, because I'm able to hear it and see it. And then because the emotional side of it, I understand what it's like to be injured and how it completely devastates that when there's a singer that has an issue and they feel like their sense of identity is taken, I can empathize with that and been like, you're not alone and we will get through this. Mm. You know, like, it's not like a, oh, well, you did this and this is why. It's like, well, let's fix this. This Anything can happen. Mm. And it's not necessarily your fault, but let's, you know, you have somebody on your side who's going to get you back. So, mm. Mm. yeah, it was just a, yeah, I mean, I look at it as a, as a, as a major blessing, but at the time I literally thought my world was over. Mm. So tell us how you started your teaching. I started teaching. I just thought, Hey, I don't want to work in the public school system. I could make more money teaching privately. (laughs) And so I just started putting it out there that I was doing it. And that I really wish I could go back to my first four years of teaching and reteach the people that I taught. (laughs) And then like, Oh, by the way, look what I know now. But um, yeah, I worked at a performing arts studio. So it was very easy for me to get clients because they were already in-house and then um yeah I just started kind of building from there and reputation started getting out and I mean I didn't have this huge hurdle to try and get students or anything like that because I was already in a facility that was people who were interested in performing so Mm. it was just like it was an easy transition what kind of mistakes were you making in those four years um I pretty much just regurgitated everything that had been taught to me, you know, like, Oh, this was my voice. So this is everybody's voice Mm -hmm. or this worked for me. So it has to work for you or, you know, something like that. Like I didn't really understand the individuality of voices. I didn't understand voice types. I didn't understand why vowels make certain things work the way they work. Um, Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know any of that. It's just like, Oh, you can carry a tune. Okay. Let's sing. And here's this. So it wasn't until I um, got with a, a, a coach here where I, I left the performing arts studio and started working with another coach um, who was part of SLS. And they just said, you know, would you, you should think about joining this organization for teachers. And uh, I thought, okay, cool. I didn't even know what it was. I'd never heard of SLS and um, just kind of followed the pony, I guess. And, and was like, Oh, this is what it is. This, okay. This is why this makes sense. And, you know, things like that. But, you know, I was always a rule breaker. So I always questioned everything too. But, um, you know, SLS was really a pivotal moment for me on application and and what to listen for Mm -hmm. and how to hear it. And, you know, it was nice to have a network of teachers to like bounce ideas off of and and network Mm -hmm. with. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So how uh, has your teaching changed since you finished being a part of the SLS organization and learned all these other things? Um, Well, I'm a firm believer that not one organization knows all the answers. Um, I think there's truth in everything. 
um, you know, and everybody has truth in their own experiences or, or what there is. So, you know, the SLS gave me an incredible background and structure as far as like how to form a lesson and be very fast and very effective. Um, there were some things that I always question in SLS terminology, um, over like, um, SLS, you know, in my experience, and maybe it's not for everybody, but when people were singing, it was like, if it's, if the vowels too wide, just over narrow, over narrow, like keep narrowing down these vowels to get smaller and smaller, but it still felt like a, you know, like with some people it was very squeezy. Um, and so going out with other organizations, you know, when we're going into more beltier sounds or more that, like you actually have to open the vowel and like express different things. So, um, because of going to these different places and kind of getting tidbits here and there, I just, I think it made a complete well-rounding, especially with like the anatomy study and, and like what's happening with all the different muscles and different groups and, and all of that, like, you know, you can, you can change a vowel and a consonant all you want on the vocal folds, but if some, if there's tensions around the outside or the muscles or the track or something like that, it's going to make your sound different anyway. So, you know, I think it's really important to get a well-rounded education um, versus just putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the Summer Vocology Institute and what they do over that summer program and why a singing teacher might want to consider doing it. You cry a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to do it because you want to cry a lot. <laughs> or don't oh, do it. Oh, man, that, that first block, man, is brutal. Um, I just actually had this conversation with a coach who was thinking about going. Um, it, it's, it's actually really amazing um, for many different areas. It's fast-paced. So the first block... Um, as of now is three weeks, but that's an entire semester crammed in the three weeks. So you're reading really, really deep and intense principles, um, in these classes and it's a lot of physics and it's a lot of math. And so for me, I was like, why do I need to, I mean, I was one of those, like, why do I need to learn this? And I felt sort of an obligation because I work with, with Ingo and, um, his daughter, Karen, quite a bit that I had to get this done. I felt a lot of pressure. And, um, it was so enlightening because there was a lot of light bulb moments where I was like, Oh, well, that's why this works. And, Oh, this is why this works. And the principles of it. And like, excuse me, the math, like I'll never use the math equations in a lesson. Like everybody gets really thrown by the homework and that, but the wonderful setting is that you're there with a group of people where you study and you do things together to, to thrive. And, um, you know, it was, it was really an amazing opportunity. The other thing that I, that I recommend with everybody is sometimes we get in these bubbles of just staying in our tight little group of, of friends or colleagues, you know, where we feel very, very comfortable. And in the pro in this program, you get to intermix with doctors, you get to intermix with SLPs, you know, speech language pathologists, you get to meet with, um, a lot of like teachers at different universities. Um, and just from a bunch of people from around the world. And so the conversation and networking that you have, and as far as like development, as, as far as like even more like people who are into research and stuff like that, of well, what about this or what about that? You get a whole different perspective um, outside of there, which I find absolutely fascinating. And your network of, of resources 
majorly increases. And so, um, yeah, I highly recommend anybody who wants to go to, to definitely go, but know that it's a lot of work and, you know, you, you're literally like brain fried because it's a lot to process really fast and, and to move through. But if you're, um, you know, and it's open doors, like to say that I'm a certified clinical vocologist, um, you know, because I don't have a, a you know, I, I left school, you know, the university, because I didn't feel like I was getting the education that I was trying to pay for or the resources that I felt was going to be um, <clears throat> valuable for my studio. And that's only because um, it was a, it was a strictly classical program and I'm not a classical teacher. Um, you know, I'm in the contemporary world. And so I left the university and um, because I have that, that title behind me, it's actually opened doors for me to actually go teach in the universities and um, be a part of that where without that, that wouldn't have happened. So. Mm. Mm. And a lot of singers and singing teachers don't have qualifications. Yeah. I mean, you have to go through a rigorous like pre-screening and, and recommendations and, and stuff like that. And, um, when I was there, you know, and, and maybe it's changed. It's been, I think, two, two years since I finished. I can't remember. I'm looking at my certificate right now. There's not a date on it. But um, when I went through it, yeah, the, the screening, they only take, like, at this, at this moment, they only take, I think, like, 30 to 35 people a summer. Um, and they have to make it, like, balanced across the board. So they have, like, um, university level teachers, they have outside private teachers, then they have doctors and SLPs and stuff like that. So they try and make it a universal board across so that everybody can intermix and you have voice users from all walks of, you know, the music, you know, mu music acute acoustic voice mm -hmm. world. So. so what's your opinion now on voice science and how it fits into the contemporary voice? That's a good question. <laughs> um, if you ask me if I've used a spectrogram in my lessons, uh, I'm going to be honest and say, no, I have not. Have I used voice range profiling in lessons? Yes, I have. Um, and that's just for data research and to show improvement and visual learning. Um, I mean, I guess I have once when I had a client who was a visual learner and wanted to see what was happening. So, you know, we pulled up Boche Vista and, you know, like showed where, where things were. Um, for me, I mean, I, I use it where I'm like, okay, that's what's happening inside my head. And I know like how to track the harmonics and stuff like that. But if I only have a client for a half an hour, I don't want to spend my time talking about format harmonic. I wanted to get in and fill it and experience it instead of sitting here talking and nitpicking it to death. So, I mean, that's probably, I don't know if that's too honest of an answer to say I don't do spectrogram work. Could I? Yes. Do I? Don't. I don't. No. Mm. That's good. So uh, you were saying that you opened up some doors for you, uh, especially sort of in the rehab side of things. So tell us a little bit more about a project in particular that you worked on recently with, uh, Rena Gupta. Yeah. So, um, because of the, the certification, part of the coursework at NCDS for a semester is talking about voice disorders and, uh, voice rehabilitation, habilitation. And, um, even before I went to NCDS though, I was working in different clinics and shadowing and observing and, and doing things. 
But um, yeah, so a, a good friend of mine, she's a laryngologist in Beverly Hills Arena, uh, Gupta, and she's at the Osborne Head and Neck. Um, she called me because she had a client who was, um, and it's public knowledge, so you can look him up. They just did a video on it. His name's Anthony Evans, but he's a, a famous gospel singer. But he, I think, I can't remember the exact amount, but I think he had hemorrhaged like three or four times in a period of six months-ish. I mean, it was not an easy thing. And uh, anyway, went in, uh, met with Rena, did some vocal work, and then he and I connected, and we just met through Skype. Like, I, I'm not based in L.A., but we just worked together through Skype to reshape um, kind of what he was doing, fix some bad patterns, um, bring awareness to before and afters, and his first lesson with me was, uh, he goes, oh, I already have a voice coach. I already have a voice coach. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know, and I don't know if he thought I was a speech language therapist, like an SLP or what the, the, the time. I was like, let me just show you some things. And he's never gone back to the other coach. <laughs> but he's like reshaped everything. He's had no issues. His voice is flying right now. Um, he's, his voice demand is insane because he seems so high and so powerful um, that he's doing that. And he's opening the Hollywood Bowl this weekend for uh, Beauty and the Beast. He's playing Beast right now. So um, at the Hollywood Bowl, which is a, a crazy opportunity. But um, yeah, so I love, I actually love rehabilitating. Um, and I can't, I, re, such a crazy word because people get mad because I'm not a therapist. But I love the, the voice habilitation process. Um, in there. And, uh, I'm trying to think like right now, I think I have six or seven clients that are in the rehab process that are not only here in Salt Lake, but, um, from around the world that we're working with. So, so can you go a little bit more specifically into what you would do for somebody that you're rehabbing? Yeah. So it depends on what the actual injury is, um, you know, is how we'll approach it. Um, a lot of it is, figuring out, I'll actually, well, I'll first see what the screen is, what their scope looks like, um, and have a conversation with the SLP and the, the doctor on, you know, care and hygiene, what the past patterns are. And then I'll always ask for sound audios of what they sounded like before they got injured um, to where they're at now. So, and then I'll personally take time outside of the lesson to kind of listen to what those patterns are, what happened. So I know how to how to focus the, the session. And then at first, depending on if they're coming out of surgery or if it's like a nodule thing, um, I'll just start, I'll talk a lot about SOVT exercises, so semi-occlusions, and where we want to get the vocal folds in a healthy balance. Um, and I'll usually do it where it's not full power. I don't want them singing super, super, super loud. And then... Um, yeah, I just got another text from somebody that's injured. <laughs> it's funny. Sorry, I just walk across the screen. Um, but have, um, you know, where they're not full press power going into everything, but um, filling the up and down glides where they're in a balance. And then we slowly start opening it back up and then applying it into where their music is, you know, and just kind of gradually taking it, taking it easy until we get full mobility back or they can fill a new norm. My favorite story, this is my favorite story. And this is another well-known um, story that's public so I can talk about it, but it, it was a, a rock, really metal, metal, metal singer. That's like the screaming, when it comes out. 
And uh, he came in, it was the best story. He came in for a session and I was like, tell me, okay, sing for me, like how you're doing this. Like I need to like really get an idea of like how you approach this. And so he started like going into it and he's like, like screaming into it. My neighbor who uh, owns a, like an aesthetics place ran over with a gun because she thought I was getting raped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. She literally... <laughs> he has no idea because his back is to the door and she comes flying in with a gun and he's like, what? like screaming into it and I'm like what's wrong what's wrong and she's like I really thought you were getting raped <laughs> well luckily she didn't shoot oh my oh, god totally oh yeah I mean like I was he was laughing I was laughing and I'm like oh my gosh and he goes and literally he goes well I guess this is why I need to change my scream <laughs> He was a hard nut to crack because of the metal side of it and everything else. And after about two months, he was really, really fighting me. And uh, I, I finally was like, hey, do you, do you have a resume? And he's like, well, why? And I was like, well, if you're not going to listen and if you're not going to make these changes, then I'll give your resume to my uncle, who's a manager at Home Depot, and I'll see if I can get you a job because you'll literally be without a career. You know, like you can't keep doing this. Well, I didn't see him for a while after that, you know, because, you know, obviously I, I hurt his feelings and he was leaving on tour opening for Marilyn Manson and like Rob Zombie and stuff. And he called me from the Midwest out of the blue and he was hating life. Like he definitely got hurt again. And, um, when he came back, he put us on this, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to listen and to change. So we've now been working for a little over probably eight months and his whole entire sound has changed. He's been able to go out on the road, absolutely no injuries. And they started throwing in some old songs back into their set. And I was watching him in, in the lesson and he, I was like, what's wrong? Like, you could just see him like thinking and he's like, it just feels so weird. And I'm like, what does weird mean? And he goes, I just, I'm not used to not being in pain. And he goes, and it's just, and it's, I'm having a hard time like it does it still sound good and so like I've had to like record stuff and play it back so he mm -hmm. still hears how amazing and powerful and like gritty and cool it is but now he's doing it in a very healthy way versus not so we went from I almost getting raped sound <laughs> to this healthy this healthy rock sound and it's just this awesome you know kind of success success part which is part I love about my job you know mm -hmm being able to show differences, show how it can be better and they can go out and do something that's, you know, they were meant to do and they're passionate about. So, so is he still able to get that more metal growly mm -hmm. stuff in there? Right. Yeah. Yep. So we've, we've worked on how to do some different snarls, you know, instead of it being like a in his throat, more of a palate rattle, um, where it's more of like the cat hiss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, versus a right down, so he can still get that distortion and and do what he needs to do and 
um, instead of it being, you know, and it's kind of changed his style a little bit where instead of every note not being like, a he does it on words artistically that he wants to throw a difference on and, and stylistically choose it, which has actually made it much more effective, mm. um, you know? So yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's super funny. One of the most giving guys you'd ever, ever meet, but yeah. Probably very grateful to be alive. <laughs> yeah, literally like it was, <laughs> I still, we still laugh about it. I'm like, you remember that time? It's like one of my most favorite stories to oh, tell. So it's so hilarious. Only you, Mindy, honestly. <laughs> I wanted to dig a little deeper into um, some stuff that you're doing more recently, which is the manual therapy and tell us, how you got into that and what you did to train and how it's helped you. Okay. So, um, when I finished NCBS and, um, I did, uh, you know, did all the cadaver work and stuff like that. And because I was working inside the clinics, um, I called a guy who's a physical therapist. Um, his name's Walt Fritz and he's part of the myofascial. He does myofascial work, but he's a, a PT and he does these workshops for, um, like voice, voice swallowing. And I can't remember what the other one was, voice, let's see, voice swallowing and, and something where he goes around to different, um, SLP clinics and ENTs to like, to show them just different manual therapy type things. And, um, I called him and interviewed with him and just said, this is what I want to do. I don't have a medical license. Um, I don't have this, this is, these are the type of clients that I work with. Here's my credentialing. Here's my education. And then um, Ingo wrote me a letter of recommendation as well as the two doctors that I work with. And so he allowed me to go in. And I think he's only ever had another one other voice teacher go, um, go through it. And so anyway, I flew to one of his um, long workshops where it just focused on the vocal tract. So sinuses down to diaphragm. And he um, had this huge thick manual and we did a lot of hands-on and, and worked well with it and then it was like okay go off into the wind and and do it so I was like all right cool let's do this and so um I came back to the state of Utah and um I know everybody's like really into manual therapy and every a lot of voice teachers want to do it but there's um I want to caution a lot of teachers because you're actually touching people's tissue and you're maneuvering it and so there's a heavy liability that comes with it. And so I had to call the state of Utah, you know, where I'm at and get uh, to see what I needed to do to have a license to touch um, license um, because you're not a massage therapist and you're not under the uh, insurance umbrella of working in a doctor's clinic. And so it's this kind of gray area. And so I um, ended up with my own business insurance. I had to increase a liability um, insurance I had to get a license to touch and then I had to do some extra um, hours um, for like ethical bounds and, and stuff like that, that they have through the state um, that I had to do it. And I mean, I'll tell you, like there's some SLPs who are not happy <laughs> that I'm doing it. And um, you know, so, so anybody that goes into that, like just be very, very aware that you need to check with where you live and, and make sure that who you're going to, is actually, you know, like I hold a certificate in it. So make sure that whoever you go to isn't someone that just went to a workshop to learn it, that they actually had to test with it and do it because you're, you're maneuvering, you know, you're in this area specifically, there's all your nerves from your brainstem are here. You got the arteries, you got a lot of 
a lot of stuff happened in the throat, but um, it's made a huge difference in my practice. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, you can do any sort of vowel and consonant combination on the vocal folds to get it the right way. But if you have extra tension in the outside of your neck, in your tongue specifically, you know, you know, a lot of people don't think about stretching the tongue, but it's the main articulators, you know, when we, when we sing and the tongue attaches to the hyoid bone, which then all of a sudden can lift the larynx and cause all sorts of problems. Um, jaw tension coming down. Um, so yeah, so I've started incorporating it um, instead of sitting behind the piano, like for the first three minutes and being like, hey, how are you? Tell me about your day, you know, asking it. I'm actually having them talk to me while I actually maneuver their throats and get them to relax and balance for the first five minutes before we sing. Um, it's allowed me to start going on the road with different artists um, who have heavy, heavy demands to, um, you know, they go out and do their show and then we manipulate and relax everything down on a cool down to reset. And that's been dramatic for these artists who are on the road. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been crazy. And something that I do different, and that's just because I started thinking about it, is I actually have them vocalize while I'm manipulating. And to hear their speech change, like where say they were talking fatigued or down and fry, as I'm holding down and maneuvering things, they'll go from like right here where they're down here into talking very clear and present. Um, and so I, I actually get to know them a lot more because we have, you know, big we'll have conversations where they can talk about things. And sometimes there's emotional releases mm -hmm. that they weren't aware that they were like holding something. And then I'll get into that and they'll just cry and like talk about something that um you know whatever triggers and then it's like okay it's out and we can move forward so um I'm actually starting in September I decided to go um to massage school so I'm actually going to get a full-fledged massage therapy license so I can do full body work in myofascial mm -hmm. so I start that in September to add to the credentialing and the resume of stuff that I'm doing so and then there's no gray area for anybody mm. yeah and yeah. And on the road, like, I mean, just recently I was working with, um, and Brandy Carlisle, who's out on the road and I was working with her guitar player and he was having like major hand issues, like, or just like tension in his, in his hand from playing. And, um, you know, so I did a couple stretches that I knew kind of would work and, and I'm like, okay, if I could do full body, imagine what will happen when fully licensed or accredited to do all that. So, mm. you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but yeah. So I'm excited for that new step. So not necessarily where you probably thought you were going to be heading. When you yeah, started. definitely, definitely not where I thought I'd be, but you know, as a, as a coach and working with the clients that I work with, it's more tools in my tool belt and it's, an overall picture, your voice, you know, we say in the clinic, the voice is, um, the communication for all over health, you know, like you can usually, you know, the voice will really show itself, you know, in a manner for health issues. And, um, you know what, I mean, and how I got started in the, in the body work, what I really want, what really triggered it for me was, um, I was recording, uh, a, something for a, a writer here and I was in the studio for about um an hour and a half and I could not finish a song which is not my norm and I'm like what the heck is going on and so I knew the engineer so I had him send me an audio without any embellishments on it and um 
I listened back to it and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a paralyzed vocal cord. Like I was breathing like I had it. There's a weird rasp to it, which I hadn't heard because I hadn't been performing myself and I hadn't noticed it when I was demonstrating on with students or whatever. But when I was trying to do a full song, I was like, something's not right. So it was like 1030 at night. I call Karen, Ingo's daughter, uh, who I work with. And I was like, oh my gosh, listen to this audio. I freaking have, I think I have a paralyzed cord. She immediately called the doctor that we work with. And he's like, get in at 730 in the morning. I think you're right. So all night I was freaking out thinking I had a paralyzed vocal cord. I was like, I'm injured again. What the heck happened? And um, went in, did the scope, and everything was fine. So then it went to, well, maybe you have a tumor. <laughs> so you have a blockage in your airway. I'm like, oh, great. Of all the cancers to have, of course, it's in my throat. You know, like this, thank you. Like, what am I trying to learn here? And so I went and did all the tests, the endoscopy, like went under, everything was fine. So I'm like, okay, but something's not right. Like, I just couldn't, I could feel like a pressure in the back. Anyway. Um, so they said, we, you, you need to see somebody who does myofascial. And I was like, well, who, who, who do you know? And they're like, we don't know anybody in Utah. And they're like, you may have to fly to LA. So I'm like, okay. So I just quit Googled. I found four people in the state of Utah and I called them and, um, three of them had no idea about any of the muscles in the larynx area. So I was like, you are not touching my throat. And so I called this other guy and he knew all the he knew all the muscles. He knew all the the everything else. And his background of training was through a guy by the name of John Barnes, who's very much like a, the same type of organization that SLS is, structured the same way. It's just kind of like myofascial. So I felt um, like okay, he would be considered a level five. You know, like he's been through this. Okay, I trust him. He knew the like he knew all this. So I went into the first session with him and like my posture was out of whack. Everything was, was weird. And he goes, tell me about your right knee. And I was like, okay, that's a weird question. It's my throat. I have an issue with. And I realized that like three months prior, we had a huge ice storm in Utah and I fell and broke my knee. Like my knee, like cap went to the back of my leg. I was on brace crutches, all of that. And from that knee injury, it repositioned my whole right side of my body, pulled my ribs, pulled my shoulder, and it was pulling my larynx off to the right, which was making it sound like I had a paralyzed cord. So after two sessions with him, I grew an inch. I stopped snoring. <laughs> like My larynx got put back in place. He pulled my tongue at the same time, and I have never sung better in my life. And it hurt like a mother. I mean, it hurt. Like, it was not pleasant, but we got that thing worked out and I've never been more body aware than I was after working with him. I can now feel if I have a rib out of alignment, I can feel like if my, if my elbows out and it's dramatically changed the way I sound and, and everything else. And so after that, it was like, okay, I have to understand and, and learn this because this will only help the mm -hmm. clients. That work with my stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel it's my obligation because I'm aware of this knowledge now that it's my obligation to now learn it and present it and to help those that come into my studio. That's amazing. Yeah. So what's next for Mindy Peck? Um, hopefully a weekend vacation. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been really stressful the last five months. <laughs> 
my husband and I, we were laughing between his travel and my, the touring travel that I've been on. We've been together, I think six nights since March. Um, so yeah, I need some family time. Um, I'm going out on the road a lot this summer, which is pretty exciting. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to start massage school on, uh, in September and hopefully that will take a year and then who knows, man. I mean, just continue to learn. The minute I stop learning is the minute I stop teaching, and I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. So, Well, thanks so much for coming and sharing your story. I know there's way more than that. <laughs> Those are for other podcasts. Yeah, that's right. Um, maybe when you do come over to the UK, we'll do see if we can get some sort of workshop going. Oh, my gosh, I'd love it. It'd be so fun. You probably won't be able to practice. Um, We'll have to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be fun. Or at least show, like, some basic pulls that people can do where you don't yeah. need a, a license yeah. to, to do it but over in the UK. But, yeah, definitely there's some, there's some cool stuff. So, um, Okay, so I just want to leave, see if there's maybe a couple of tips that you would give teachers who are, you know, at the beginning of their journey, things that you feel have really helped guide you as a teacher and um, achieving your goals? Um, well, if you're a beginning teacher, I think it's imperative to find a mentor that you can trust and you can act, ask questions to and feel safe in that environment. Um, and to, with that mentor, I think the best thing you can do is go and watch them teach. Watch what they do so that you can train your ear to be faster and to hear different things because a lot of times the mentor, um, they'll have beginning students and advanced students. And so you can hear the little nuances. And so it's imperative to go and observe. Observation is key. As singers, we're oral listeners and you have to be able to hear what they're demonstrating. It doesn't matter what a spectrogram says, like you have to be able to hear what's happening um, in there. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions and to challenge things. Um, keep working on your own voice. You have to, you know, I'm a big believer in you have to be able to demonstrate what you're asking your clients to do. Um, you know, practice what you preach, so to speak. Um, and just keep learning, keep, keep questioning, keep hungry, you know, cause there's so much that's still unanswered and, just because it's something that maybe you learned in university or you learned from back there from somebody who learned it in the 1800s or it was in this book doesn't mean that there's not stuff that has changed or that can help. And to really understand that not one teacher or one method knows all the answers, mm -hmm. you know, that there's some really great things in places that maybe you wouldn't think to look. And so, you know, don't stay stagnant, like, you know, do book clubs, read books, like, you know, find those sources. And really, I guess the big thing too is really find a team that works for you. Like really find a doctor that deals with singers and that's open to having conversations. And, you know, the SLP, I mean, I feel very, very lucky, you know, that, um, and there's some that I went and interviewed with and we were not a good fit, you know, and I didn't feel comfortable talking, but the doctors that I work with, like they like that I ask questions and they like, they want somebody who's they know will be there for their patients as well. And so, you know, really get out there and, and network it and don't be afraid to do that. So. Great. 
Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you, man. It was so fun. So it's fun to go back down the down the road. <laughs> so I'll see you later. Yeah, see you later. Do, 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 do.